Zora.com is where you'll find everything you need for businesses of any size in almost any industry. They have tools, equipment, and supplies for everything you need. Whether you need stuff for industries like electrical, plumbing, contracting, manufacturing, or more, Zorro's got it from brands you know and trust. And Zorro.com offers amazing customer service from real people based in the U.S. Visit Zorro.com slash NFL in all lowercase letters to sign up for Zmail and get 15% off your first quarter. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm watching the new NFL primetime thing with Berman and uh, and Teach, and I'm having a oh, great man. time. I'm having a great time. I have not seen it yet. I, I think I've made a mistake by not. I, I really should dig into it soon. The one thing that I forgot about that I guess was rattling around in my subconscious somewhere is that that music gives me PTSD for having to go to school the next day. Oh, see, you've said before that like it gets you really jacked up. Well, no, it does. Like I, when I listen to it on YouTube, it's sort of in the genre of the NFL film thing, where it's like, hell yeah. There's also like this is the one thing you also don't realize is there's like nine different NFL primetime songs. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I if there's only, n- there's I, I nine. Think I there's, only know you the think one. there's one? No, 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 no. No, you think you think there's only one, and then you click on the YouTube, and there's like seven. I'm just trust me. I'm I, trust me on this one. Trust me on this one. I I, I am living a, a pretty you know unadventurous life. Then I should probably dig yeah. into that. I think that b- between the NFL primetime songs and the NFL film songs, um, there is a phenomenal soundtrack to 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 the sport we cover. So we are recording this uh, as we always do on Sunday night uh, after week three, and I think that week three was kind of undeniably the week of the backup quarterback. I mean, or the we starting have, quarterback. Oh, I guess the starting quarterback, the, the the backup quarterback that is now starting. So we had almost a quarter of the league with their nominally backup quarterback in the game on Sunday, and we want to talk about, at least I want to talk about how the performances on Sunday kind of speak to where these teams go from here. Both maybe it's next week or for the rest of the season or even further than that. So. Of the non of the quarterbacks who did not start week one, who did start yesterday, where do you want to start? I want to start with Daniel Jones. I, I think that's was, the, I think that's the only place we can. I, I, I don't even. We're going to get into this. We can talk about sort of what these what this means for the Giants going forward or whatever, and how how much this matters. and And there's a sort a lot of ramifications there, but I also want to talk about how that doesn't matter right now. Like this was an awesome game. It was an yeah, awesome comeback. It was fun. Um the the Bucks should have won it and we'll get to a to the Bruce Arians decision that led to them not winning um a little bit later in the show. But he had one of the best performances statistically in in the history of rookie quarterbacks. Um two rushing touchdowns including the eventual game winner. Uh, I just after this is sort sort of the, one of the things we talked about a little bit all off season, which was how funny and that really is the word. How funny it would be for all of us who criticized the Daniel Jones pick if if he turned out to be a legitimate football player. And you know, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, but it's kind of a I am Spartacus thing in the sense that 
pretty much all media panned it. There were only a handful of, I don't even, maybe I saw Jim Nagy from the senior bowl was being praised as one of the few people who was sort of like Daniel Jones is good. So he's, he's on one side, but most people were pretty against the pick. And if they weren't against the pick, they were against him being at least a top 10 pick and maybe you get him later in the draft. I was one of those people. I thought that if you really so believed I. in him, if you really believed in him, you could have gotten him with the second pick in the first round in the middle there. Um, I, I really think there were some value questions there, but if Daniel Jones is a franchise guy that they think he is, then taking him in the top 10 is totally fine. So what do we have here? A lot of us who temporarily tonight have to sort of have egg on our face. That's fine. This was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So what does this mean going forward? I mean, listen, man, he showed some basic competence and some basic talents that I think make him at least an average starter, which to be honest with you, I, I, this soon I'm surprised by. I think there are two things to kind of take into account when it comes to the Giants today. They did not have Saquon Barkley and they were fun as hell to watch. There are a couple of ways that NFL Twitter was able to just sort of explode today. One of them was that Daniel Jones was awesome. And we all got dunked on. The other is that there was Daniel Jones apparently cursed in the huddle, and that's what got everybody going. That was the energy spark, is that Daniel Jones dropped the F-bomb in the huddle, and everybody was excited. And then we somehow got, with Saquon's injury, a weird running back value conversation that nobody else wanted to have because the comeback came without Saquon on the field. I just think the fact that we got to see a f- entertaining Giants game that Saquon Barkley yep. was not a part of yep. and Odell Beckham was not a part of is a borderline miracle, which speaks to Daniel Jones. So I, I think that the idea that Saquon was not a part of this and it was still fun and this Giants team with, was worth watching, that's why Daniel Jones going in for Eli is what should have happened earlier or it should have happened bit, at the beginning of the season. This team was worth watching today because of Daniel Jones. And I was in the same boat as you. I thought it was a ridiculous pick. I thought that picking him at six was silly as can be. And one game in, I am going to start watching the Giants. And I think that's all you have to say about the value of having Daniel Jones instead of Eli Manning. Here's my question. If this saves everybody's job... If Dave Gettleman gets to stay forever, if Pat Shermer gets to stay forever, and it's kind of funny because it reminds me a little bit of what happened with Amari Cooper last year where, well, the good news is Amari Cooper saved the Cowboys season. The bad news is that means Jason Garrett stays. And <laughs> and they don't make any structural changes within the organization, whether that's, you know, hiring a different, you know, whatever. I think they the, the Cowboys draft pretty well, but that's neither here nor there. But everything Very stays. Well. Yeah, if if everything stays the same. Was Amari Cooper worth it, right? Like, obviously, the Cowboys are in a better position now, so that that argument's uh, put aside for a second. But if this is what leads to the regime in New York, getting, you know, three more years, four more years, if Dave Gettleman, the guy who built the secondary and traded Odell Beckham and all this stuff, um, if he sticks around, is that a problem in your opinion? Or is Daniel Jones the type of quarterback who might be able to be a deodorant and solve all these problems? It's too early to say. Yeah, I feel like the choices they've made so far are probably in the aggregate a bad thing. But like you say, the quarterback is all that matters. If you find the right guy, it can make up for a lot of woes. And if he becomes that guy, then we're not going to care about that other stuff. But it's still way too early to make that determination. Hey, 
Hey, do you know who would have been a really good receiver for Daniel Jones to play with? Odell Beckham? Odell Beckham Jr. He would have been great. Great little security blanket. All right, let's get to some of these other backup quarterbacks that play today. Is there anybody else that jumped out to you? I think that Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints winning in the fashion that they did is probably the second most notable happening this weekend just because that team is so talented. We talked about this on on, on Thursday's show. It just seems like they have enough on the rest of the roster that they could maybe sustain a month with Teddy Bridgewater. Did today do anything to kind of get you off of that line of thinking? Well, Teddy Bridgewater was solid today. He was helped along by a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown. I think that they did the things that they needed to do. I don't think anyone is, is calling for a quarterback controversy in New Orleans. Once Drew Brees gets back um, like they will in Carolina, we'll get to that in a second. But I think that they, they, that's that's what we talked about going into the weekend, which was this team is good enough to stay afloat until Breeze gets back. That division, uh, although if, if Kyle Allen wins them some games, it's a little bit different in Carolina, but that division is such. We saw another kind of uh, Atlanta egg laying uh, this weekend. And so that division is such that you only really need to go, go 500 um, until Breeze comes back and you'll be in good position. So I think they checked all the boxes. Um, good game. I think Bridgewater played well. You know, again, I, I think that the idea that when Breeze retires, that Bridgewater will step in and, and they won't miss a beat in a couple of years is a, still a bit optimistic. But I, I was definitely encouraged by what I saw. I feel the same way. And I think that that division... The, the Kyle Allen thing kind of complicates things a little tiny bit. Yeah. But with, with, with Atlanta playing like they played, I think that this is a huge win for them because they did not need to beat Seattle. Seattle was playing extremely well. This was not a given. And for Bridgewater to just be, you know, he wasn't spectacular today, but he was good enough. And I think that if they can kind of get through the next couple weeks, we've talked about how the next month of their schedule kind of eases up a little bit. Yep. That being said, I feel like the Kyle Allen thing might be, I don't want to say it's real in the sense that when Cam Newton comes back, it's going to be a conversation. But I think we saw today that that roster is so good that even with solid, healthy quarterback play, they can be dangerous. So them winning that game today in Carolina and kind of staying afloat, this is not necessarily a cakewalk for New Orleans, even with Atlanta being this bad. I'm I'm with you on that one. I think that the, the Kyle Allen thing was really interesting to me because you you've been a believer in Carolina's roster talent. It's still of eyes to an extent, but you really staked your territory early on. And Cam Newton looked really, really, really hurt the first two weeks. And he did not like himself. And quite frankly, even though I think Cam Newton's highs are as high as anybody in football, when he's good, he is just elite of the elite. He is not, he, he is as bad as he's looked in the NFL. And I think a lot of that is due to health. A lot of that's due to just accumulation of the way the hits he's taken over the past couple of years and the injuries he's taken. In comes Kyle Allen, four touchdowns, 261 yards, uh, a slew of, Panthers passing records for efficiency. And I don't know. I, I, I wonder if average quarterback players, slightly above average quarterback players, what they need right now. And we just need to give Cam Newton. I, I kind of came up with the idea coming into the weekend that we give Cam Newton a month off just to rest up. That idea is looking better and better right now. 
So that to me is the most encouraging part about this is that it's, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy. I, mean, I think that when Cam Newton comes back and he's healthy, Cam Newton will be the quarterback. But, right, I but think when that will that be? So it, that's exactly right. What Kyle Allen showed you today, I think gives you patience. So their next four games are Houston, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, and the Niners. Yep. If Kyle Allen is the quarterback we saw today, admittedly against a very bad Cardinals defense, why shouldn't he play for the next month? If he can do this for you, I think it gives you patience and I think it gives you a much longer timetable in terms of just keeping Cam Newton on the shelf and letting him get right. And I think that's really valuable to you if you're the Carolina Panthers. Here's the deal. Kyle Allen is never going to be as good as a healthy and good Cam Newton. Okay? But it, uh, this but, Kyle Allen lets you get to that. No, that's what I'm saying. Possibly. I'm saying, I'm, uh, yeah, of course. I'm saying that if Cam Newton can get healthy, then there's no quarterback controversy in my mind, ever. Like Cam Newton is always be better than Kyle Allen if both of them are healthy and both of them are playing at their peak. But I, I'm just extremely concerned with what Cam has left for 2019, even if he gets a month off. I mean, he really, really looked bad against Tampa. We saw against New York today how bad Tampa is and how many mistakes they made and how many just wide-open guys Daniel Jones could find because there's so many breakdowns in the secondary, okay? I just, I, I, I don't, it's kind of an unknowable answer at this point, but, you know, I think the first thing you do is give him a month off. The second thing you do is just really think about how much Cam Newton can give you right now. Um, because I think above average quarterback play would get the Panthers into the playoffs. I feel like overall this week, you know, we talked about this. I think you mentioned it last week in reference to, I think it was the Eagles where it was, it's not your backup quarterback. It's your second quarterback. Yeah. The old Jeffrey Lurie line. And and we've seen how important it is to have that second guy because, you know, Kyle Allen played in week 17 last year and he was really good. And it's hard to know, you know how much of that is real, how much of that is just one fluke performance when you're not expecting when you were expecting the starter to play. And I think that Kyle Allen has shown us over these two starts that he's had that he is absolutely a viable backup quarterback, which is makes it kind of silly that they the Panthers picked him back up in round four. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, who wasn't Kyle Allen. But you know, it's interesting to me because one of the things we saw tonight was Baker Mayfield look like he didn't know how to play. And I think that's instructive because when we saw Baker Mayfield last year, especially in that seven-game stretch where he was one of the most efficient passers in the history of football, I think one of the things you take from that is don't read too much into a rookie year because everything can change and talent matters. Offensive line matters. Coaching matters. Schemes matter. All of this stuff matters to where if we say, okay, Kyle had four touchdowns today or Daniel Jones had two rushing touchdowns and looked good and all that stuff, or the exact opposite is true. If Mason Rudolph looked just okay, that stuff can change really quickly. Making long-term plans based on that kind of stuff is really foolish at this point. So I just want to throw that caveat out there that we've seen far too many instances of either us thinking a guy is good and then it lasts forever and then it doesn't. I mean, remember when we're talking about, you know, all these guys who are using their college schemes and stuff, the absolute pinnacle of that was RG three, who like he was going to run the league in 2012 for the next 10 years. And all of a sudden he's a backup now. So it was, I was out of league for a little bit. So rookie quarterbacks and analyzing them is the hardest thing to do 
maybe only second to analyzing co- college quarterbacks. Like that, those are the two hardest things to do in football, college quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks. So this entire discussion is taken with one big grain of salt. Yeah, I think that it's important to understand how these situations are different in terms of how long they need to be sustained, right? Right. So with Teddy Bridgewater and Kyle Allen, it's can these guys keep these teams afloat? And even after one week, I still feel comfortable saying yes to that. With Daniel Jones, it's how good can the Giants be with Daniel Jones? Right. There's no there's no way to say at this point. They played a bad Tampa team and they were worth watching. That's pretty much as far as I want to go yeah, with but that. How that is so different from any Giants game in years. Absolutely. And I I think but it's with with Daniel Jones the answer to whether Daniel Jones is good is so much more important than the answer as to whether Kyle Allen is good. Right. And it, it just, but there's no, there's nothing to say about that long-term projection at this point. There just isn't. So, there are two people who are in the exact middle of it is incredibly important and it's not very important if they're good. And that's Gardner Minshew and Mason Rudolph, who are essentially two 2019 quarterbacks who will figure it out in the offseason for 2020 quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think that... So what did you think about Rudolph, first of all? I thought he was fine. And and I feel like with, with the, the Roethlisberger thing, I think that if Roethlisberger has to miss next season, based on the very little I've seen from Mason Rudolph, they can ride it out through 2020. Would you say that's right. fair? Ride it out through 2020, meaning what? They can win that Mason Rudolph games. Yeah, they 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 won't be a disaster, but they Uh, won't be a contender. Yeah, I mean, I think they lost to a pretty good San Francisco team today. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. By the way, Minka Fitzpatrick looked really good. Just FYI, we're not gonna talk talk about that game later. I just want to point that out. He looked really really good, and that's another kind of maybe they overpaid, but but maybe it's good to have him on your roster type of type of value pick. Um. So I did not watch the, I, I did. I, I only saw the, the pick six for Fitzpatrick, but that was tipped. Is there anything else he did Forced fumble as well? Okay. All right. So he was, he was, he was, uh, playing like the type of guy you trade a first round pick for now, or, or the my, type of guy that's no longer on the dolphins is, and feels alive. Guy who just feels great about it. Now yes. here, here, here's what I'll say about it. That I think is, is at least a little bit comforting. The way Rudolph played is it's suggestive that maybe they're not going to be drafting in the top five next year. And that that dolphins pick is going to be, was going to turn into a good quarterback. That's a really good point, right? Like that's, that's, I think the, the biggest worry on every Steelers fans mind right now is just the idea of, of them going, you know, two and 14 or something. And, and them having, you know, the dolphins having the first two picks in the draft that, that I don't think that's going to happen. I think Mason Rudolph has a baseline of confidence. The roster talent is still there. I am in generally on, on just them being a competent team in 2019 that doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think after trading away your first-round pick, that's kind of the floor of what you want, right? Yeah. You just don't want to be a disaster, and I think they've gotten there. Let's get to Minshew because I... I think he might be kind of good, man. Me too. I don't... And it's such a bummer because this is the type of thing where you stumble into this guy who was a six round pick. How much do you think Gardner Minshew's making this season? Uh, four ten. Well, 
So Gardner Minshew's contract in 2019 will pay him $542,000 a year. Perfect. Perfect. Nick Foles this year carries a cap hit of $12 million, and in part because that's because he's hurt. Next year, Nick Foles' cap hit is 22.1 with a dead cap hit of 33.9. And he has a cap hit in 2021 of 26.9 million with 12 and a half million in dead money. Here's why I like when a lot of backup quarterbacks play or a lot of there's a lot of quarterback movement in general. Cause again, Daniel Jones is going to be the long-term starter this year. Um, you know, I just think that fortunes rise and fall so much when there's quarterback changes. This is something I talked about a lot a couple of years ago when there were what six first round quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Tw- you know, 20, 2018, 1998 was like this 1983, where there's just a ton of new quarterbacks coming into the league. And I kind of feel like that on a day like today where there's, what, five or week at this weekend, there were five or six new quarterbacks. Some of these quarterbacks are going to change their franchise forever. And I don't know if Minshew is one of these guys, but he really has the chance. He really has the chance to, 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 to change the shape of the Jaguars franchise. Now, this one is more complicated than anything. Eli Manning is no longer the starter in New York. He's going to be a free agent. The huge contract's going to come off the books. Everything's going to be fine. They can do that rookie contract thing there. If Minshew pops and Foles never again regains his job, you just said those scary dead cap numbers. That's what's interesting to me. What do the Jaguars do if Minshew is a better player for the Jaguars than Nick Foles would be. I think it's a matter of seeing if someone will take the Foles contract. What can you trade him for? And does it become even a scenario like the Brock Osweiler situation? Right. Where you actually give up a pick in order to get out from under the deal. I I understand the Nick Foles playoff hero I, stuff. He's sure. been he's had those moments. It's been great. This is crazy but, to say, but, but Gardner, Gardner Minshew in the last two weeks has pretty much been as good as Nick Foles has ever been as a regular season quarterback. <sighs> um, Would you say that's fair? Well, no, I actually think that the 2013 Chip Kelly year was unbelievable. He had the, that one game against Oakland and he was yeah. pretty good outside of that. Yeah. I, 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 outside, I, of the, I, outside of the Chip Kelly year. I would say these two weeks. I think that maybe with Philadelphia, that's the, the uh, with under Doug Peterson. That might be the case. I think that's still a little rash. I think that two, it's a pretty small sample size at this point. I'd like to see a little bit more from Minshew. And I think that everything we're discussing now about whether he's a long-term thing, that's mostly just for fun. I still, there's I still a very good chance that Gardner Minshew is not the hero that, that we think we're getting here. I think that the bar he has to clear because of the money to Foles yes. is very high. Yes. I, and, I, and I don't think he's cleared it yet. But now, I will say, in watching him in this short little spurt here, he's been accurate. He's been decisive. He looks like an NFL quarterback. What if his only legacy here is that he keeps Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville? Because that's interesting to me. It's just the idea that they they the report now is that he still wants to be traded but Jacksonville is less likely to do so. So they had this big win against a division rival on Thursday night. And now I'm really intrigued to see whether or not Jacksonville says, you know, we got a chance to 
make a run in this division because we have Gardner <laughs> because we have Gardner Minshew as you know a sentence you didn't expect to hear last week, and now Jalen Ramsey is going to stick around. I think that's that's so fucking that's ridiculous. A fascinating I, wrinkle. What, what cannot, why is it ridiculous I, to you? I cannot believe an NFL team would make a long term huge decision based on one Thursday no, night win over. I don't. The I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I think it's more about they want to keep Jalen Ramsey anyway. And now they're going to use that. Now they could potentially use the excuse of we're we're not we're not tanking. That's all. I don't I don't think they want to get rid of Jalen Ramsey. I think if, if you a have a player like Jalen Ramsey, if a team offered you two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey, you have to take it no matter how what you think your 2019 outlook is. Now, is there a confirmed offer out there? I saw that there was a no, big offer I, from the Ravens, right? So we we don't yet know it, if the, that the if Ravens that offer, offer was a first, a second, and Hayden Hurst. Correct? Isn't that what? Is that what you saw? I think that's what we saw. Yeah. Would you take that? I, I don't know if I would. I would. Okay. I would. I, I, I just, I, I'm I not saying. I'm not saying no. I'm saying I don't know if I would. I, truly I just don't, don't have know. a ton of faith in this version of the Jaguars. Like coming into the season, I didn't have a ton of faith in it. Yeah, you so shorting I, Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew wasn't a, a, wasn't a part of this version of the Jaguars when I when I was shorting them. I know, but uh, he is now. He's the future. I I think that the Foles deal was very risky when they did it, and now I think there's no way to understand if Gardner Minshew is going to be a player when you draft him. Right? I mean, it's, it's a six round pick. It, it's it, to, to say I can't believe they paid Nick Foles. They got Gardner Minshew. It, well, the Nick Foles dumb. contract was absurd. That was the whole the whole. You have to pay him so that locker room respects him thing. That was one of the strangest things I've heard of maybe the last three years of contract well, negotiation. I think that was part of it. But it's also this idea of when you give out that deal, it's supposed to be the last thing you have to do, right? The Vikings did that with Cousins. It was kind of this overpay because it's the final piece of the puzzle. And I think with Jacksonville, it never was. And I think now they have egg on their face because they have to pay him this. And there's a real chance that the better quarterback on their roster is making 430 grand this year. Yeah, it's it's like if the, if Matt Flynn or had signed a fifty million dollar contract instead of like a sixteen million dollar contract. Ex- exactly, and there was Except, a deter- and if Gardner Minshew was Russell Wilson and not Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Minshew. But it's it, I understand what you're saying. It, it, that's. It's not a one-for-one comparison because Russell Wilson's actually like one of the best like seven quarterbacks in the NFL, but it still is one of those things where money dictates decision-making. Yeah. And with Seattle, Matt Flynn's contract wasn't such that you could just say, well, we we screwed this up. This is the guy. He's the guy making 500 grand is the guy. You can't just do that with Gardner Minshew now because of how much they paid Foles. And that's why it's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm Jacksonville is, is on my watch list with the Giants right now. Am I wrong about that? You want to you want to see Gardner Minshew play football? I am I am so much more interested in Jacksonville because of Gardner Minshew. That, that I I completely concede that. What's your schedule looking like? The Jaguars in their Broncos next- win. Panthers again. Ooh, a little Kyle Allen. Kyle you see, by the way, you see what the way the way Emmanuel Sanders said that the the Broncos are in a world of suck. <laughs> all right, they get. He's uh, not wrong. He's not Jaguars, wrong at all. The Jaguars then have Kyle Allen and the Panthers on the sixth. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. 
With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss before age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care, some shave their head, some embrace hats, but what they don't know is that there are some FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL, your online visit is free. Consult with the U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in waiting rooms. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping and discreet packaging. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NFL show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. Today's episode is brought to you by Floor and Decor. Don't miss out. Floor and Decor is the only one-stop flooring shop that keeps general contractors, flooring specialists, and renovated experts ahead of the game. Thanks to their fully stocked warehouse of hard surface flooring, no job is too big. Job lot qualities of tile wood and stone are in stock and available for convenient worksite delivery. And their dedicated pro services team is here to make it easy for you to run your business, offering everything from 14-day product storage to financing solutions to express pickup. Sign up now. Sign up for Pro Premier Rewards, and you'll automatically rack up points that you can exchange for prizes. Plus, you'll have access to 15 discounted services to help you grow your business. Explore your local floor and decor and discover how quality flooring products at everyday low prices can completely change your game. Visit flooranddecor.com today to locate the floor and decor nearest you and score savings and service you won't find anywhere else. That's flooranddecor.com. So let's let's transition from the Jaguars and their outlook to stock up and stock down. And let's start yeah. with the Texans. You wanted to mention the Texans here. They had a nice win today. How are you feeling about the Texans three games into the season? Well, I mean, we're pretty down on the Texans because we think that their 2019 outlook improved with the, with the Tunsil trade and that they are the clear favorites in the division. We don't think, however, it was very smart for, for them to go all in in a season where there's two real clear-cut AFC contenders that they are not going to match in New England and Kansas City. Having said that, if we're just looking at them ticking off the boxes, we sort of have to praise them going on the road and playing Los Angeles and, and winning this sort of game. Um, I I was impressed. I saw a fiery Bill O'Brien. I don't know if you see a fiery Bill O'Brien post-game locker room. He looked great. He's the leader of men. Um, Deshaun Watson, it was his first career game from the NFL with 300 passing yards, three pass touchdowns, and no interceptions. So, you know, look, this is, this is the team we thought they were. This is the team that wins the division. This is still not a team that beats the Chiefs or the Patriots in the, uh, in, in the playoffs. But these are the types of games they need to win. The Texans are so interesting to me because I feel like even for the last few years, this has been true, especially since Watson got there. Sometimes we oversimplify how much star players eventually kind of dictate the outcomes for teams. Yeah. But with Houston, they really are 
buoyed and kind of carried by a couple guys on either side of the ball. Like Watson today was Deshaun Watson. There were some kind of you know plays that you don't like to see, whether they he's trying to improvise too much, he's trying to do too much, everything else. But then he's brilliant in other moments. And on the other side of the ball, they have a couple guys that can still dominate a game. Watt yep. was a monster today. Yep. It, it, it's just, it's so interesting to me that I feel like every once in a while, we overstate how much football is kind of like a two-on-two, three-on-three game on either side of the ball. And with Houston, I feel like that's pretty much been their team in the Bill O'Brien era. And when it goes well, it can be really impressive. And I think yep. today was a perfect example. Uh, Watt, two sacks. DJ Reader, a sack and a half. It was just it was it was a nice win. 27-20. Um Philip Rivers did did his Philip Rivers had time to win the game thing that didn't didn't exactly work out um as it typically does not. So I just think that it was uh it was a heck of a time. Did you see the report that um there's friction between the Chargers and the Rams in Los Angeles? In what sense? In the sense that the Chargers aren't picking up their share and that the Rams might be a little bit mad about that. On a scale of one, on one, on a scale of one to ten, how shocked are you about that? I am. I'm. I'm not sure. I actually thought this had been reported already because I'd heard that, so much about it. Surprising thing I've I'd, heard. I'd, like I'd, I'd heard year. so much about it that I just had assumed it had been reported already, and that uh, was my bad for assuming. It, so rumblings had been reported about it, but not to this extent. Fred Rogan's from um, one of the local channels said he's, he's, he's got a report coming tomorrow about this. So uh, well, one of the cheapest teams in the NFL isn't carrying their side of a bargain. Well, no, not only that, but they, you know, they play in a, like a 28,000 seat soccer stadium. Anyway, that's not uh, important. Um, what's important gracious. is that, is that the Houston Texans look like the team we thought they were AFC South champions, all that. Yeah. I feel like it's gonna, you know, the Colts are, I feel like the Colts are a little bit better than I thought they'd be. I like the you know, Colts coming today. Year. Listen, the yeah. Colts are an Adam Vinatieri away from being 3-0. Yeah, they're a solid team. You know, I, I feel like they're going to be in every single game. But I do, I, it, it's not that off from what I thought coming into the year where I thought the Colts roster was strong enough to kind of keep them going in the AFC. But I just think that what Watson and the high-end talent on the Texans can give them week to week makes them more dangerous in terms of their ceiling. Is yeah, that Yeah, Brissett, listen, Brissett had 300 yards. Before, coming into training camp, pick the Colts to go to the Super Bowl. There's a reason I did that. They didn't have, I don't think they had Darius Leonard today. I saw, um, aside from the injury, I, I know they didn't because I saw him at home posting videos of himself in full uniform, which was uh, something that I haven't seen before. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, you know, look, they, they have the roster talent and, you know, if Brissett is an above average quarterback, which it looks like he is, then, then they're a playoff team. That's, uh, that's a pretty easy thing for me. Um, I was impressed the Falcons. I'm less impressed by Matt Ryan. I mean, wh- what's gotten into Matt Ryan? I mean, just like some real bad throws. So we'll get to this. I, I feel like oh, the Texans, is he, is, I, I, are you challenging flagging it? That's my, that's my challenge okay. flag is the Texans. I didn't know uh, it's, the Fal- it's the Falcons. I, okay. I feel like they're, they're in real trouble. I agree. So we'll, 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 right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll that get a little there. bit later. We'll get let's, there. We'll get to some, it. some NFC South challenge flags later. Let's, uh, let's talk about a couple more stock uh, stocks up. Uh, you want to talk about the bills. I feel like the bills are three and oh, I don't, 
Careful. Their, ske- their schedule Careful. gets really difficult. Well, they, have the be- Patri- they have the Patriots next week. So they have the Patriots next week, and then they also have a run after that that's it's much different than what they've had over the first three weeks. I think this could be a mirage, but part of me thinks that, I don't know. We've talked so much about how we like the way they built this team. Josh Allen is still maddening in terms of inconsistency, but he's been better than he was last year. I don't know what to make of this team. I'm excited about them in the long term, but I don't know if they're actually good. So first of all, Josh Allen leads a 78-yard game-winning drive. Great stuff from Josh Allen. Speaking of quarterbacks, it almost reminds me a little bit of, and and this is a team-wide thing. I'm not comparing Josh Allen to Daniel Jones, although there are some comparisons as far as the high draft selection and just, you know, the media's reaction to it and our reaction to it. I definitely think think they're, yes. I I think they're in the same conversation. But I almost see this 3-0 start as sort of the Daniel Jones of Buffalo in the sense that, like, I don't care if it's real or not. It's just fun, and everyone should enjoy themselves. Everyone in Buffalo should enjoy themselves and do do Buffalo things because this is great. Um, uh, I don't think the I, schedule... What? Are you, are you going to go go door-to-door telling them they can't have fun? No, I, it's not that because I think that... I understand what you're saying, and, and I, I, I get that. I, I think that's fair to a degree, but I also think that we're in year two of a top-10 quarterback. And it's it's not just do you have a couple moments here or there, it's is this team real moving I, forward because you only have two I, more but years I don't, of this guy. But, but, that, at a cheap but price. I don't understand. I don't like. I I don't understand why we can't think he's real right now. I mean, I will find out when he plays the Patriots next week. I actually don't agree with you that the, the schedule gets that hard because you have Patriots, Titans, fine, Dolphins, tanking, Eagles. Who the hell knows what's going on there? Jesus Redskins, Christ, yeah unintentionally tanking Browns apparently unintentionally tanking. Um, you know, I just, I think I'm I, overstating that the Patriots Broncos, hold on Broncos. Yeah. And then we have the Cowboys. It gets a little harder come Thanksgiving with Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers. This is a type of team that all of a sudden you look up in October and, and they're, you know, they're two games up in the wild card somehow like this. Yeah, they that absolutely could go easy, 10 and six, easy, 100%. easy schedule going for and then all you need to do is steal a couple of those at the end they still play the jets on december 29th that's a w i mean like th- this is a team that has all the markings of like the team that, that made the playoffs a couple of years ago in buffalo where all of a sudden you look up and they're a playoff team and you had no idea how it happened i feel like if you if you're trying to build kind of the the rosy case about the bills it would be the defense is so good i mean they they shut out the Bengals for almost that entire game today and then the Bengals managed to get some. When did the Bengals score? Let me look at this. Well, the Bengals had a nice little comeback. The Bengals almost won the game. So, like, they, they shut the Bengals out through halftime, right? I mean, this defense is really good. So, I think if you're building the case for the Bills, it would be that the defense is so good that you can kind of sustain with a quarterback who's a little bit inconsistent and just has scattered moments because that's the roster construction. And I think that's fair. I think that is definitely kind of the calculus of how this team can go 10 and six and get a wild card. I think I'm buying bill stock. I, I was buying, I've been buying bill stock in terms of how they've built this team. I just yeah, didn't too. know how quickly it could happen. Draft. No, I've been talking about them the draft. I'm in, I'm in on this team. I think they, they, they can steal playoff spot. Absolutely. 
Not a lot of good teams in the AFC. Even the yes. good teams in the AFC are not good, except the damn Patriots. All right, let, let's do another stock up. Let's talk about the Chiefs. I don't think there's a ton to say here. I think that they... We've talked so much about the Patriots and how good the Patriots yeah. have looked and how good that roster is. And both you and I picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. And I just think the way that they can kind of casually dispatch a team like Baltimore. I know the final score was close and that near the end, you know, the Ravens were in it, but there are just so many moments where this chiefs team walks over defenses that are supposed to be good. And I think today was another example of that. I agree. Um, by the way, the Patriots haven't given up a touchdown, didn't give up a touchdown today and just have stopped giving up. Well, they, 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 and they, played they have Luke not given up last week in the first half, going back to the AFC change of game. Anyway, um, I agree with you. I think that, that this is that, that chiefs game is pretty much how we expected it to go. I didn't learn a whole lot. Uh, I still think that they're, I don't know. I mean, they, they the, the top two in the AFC change positions every week in my mind, even though neither of them do anything wrong. In fact, they, they just dominate every single week. Um, so I, I, I saw what I needed to see out of the chiefs today. I think that the Ravens, um, they did a nice job. I think I, I kind of, I liked Lamar in that situation. I liked some of his runs. Um, he was taking some big hits early on, but I think that uh, I, I it game that game went almost exactly as I expected it to. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I also think that watching that Chiefs game today, I don't feel any necessarily worse about the the Ravens. I think that right. Lamar left exactly. some throws I didn't on learn the anything. field. I, I uh, came away from that game feeling the exact same way about both teams. I felt going into it. Yeah, so uh, I spent a lot of time I, on it. Yep, I, I, we're we're on the exact same page. So let's, with that in mind, let's get to one more stock up. Let's talk about the 49ers because I mean the 49ers are three zero. Yeah. And so the thing that encourages me about the 49ers is that this is a team that we always kind of felt like their offense would be fine if they were healthy, right? I I have all the faith in the world in Kyle Shanahan. We saw what he could do with Nick Mullins last year. The question to me was about their defense. And seeing kind of a couple guys on that unit, the younger guys, play as well as they have has changed to me what the outlook for the 49ers is. Nick Bosa had a great day today. Akella Weatherspoon is having the season this year that I expected him to have last year. And I feel like if you can start putting those together on top of how consistently productive the offense is just by virtue of the schematics, I think that this team has a real chance to be in that wild card conversation in the NFC. Okay, well, let me ask you a question here. You saw what the Rams look like tonight. You've seen what the Seahawks have looked like. Are they just a wild card team in your opinion, or is there a chance for them to compete for the division? How would you how would you do it right now? If if you were kind of doing the, the pecking order right now, I would still say the Rams are well, one. I would still say the Rams because the Rams have a lot of roster talent and are three and out. If the Rams were two and one right now or one and two, that changes the math for me. But the good teams who start out three and oh, even if it's uninspiring. I feel this way about the Packers, for instance. Like they're but the Rams. The Rams have beaten the Panthers, the Saints, and the Browns. Like that's those are three nice wins. I am compl- I am in agreement with you. That's why I'm saying they're going to win the division. I'm just saying that you know they haven't exactly blown anybody's doors off. Um, and I don't think Sunday night's going to inject a lot of 
enthusiasm in everybody about the Rams. I think that, you know, this is something we talked about when we were all together in Atlantic City last week, is I think we've oddly all moved on from the Rams um, because we saw what they looked like in the Super Bowl. They didn't, you know, they spent the last two years, you know, adding superstars and they just stopped doing that um, this year because they they had the team they want. And then obviously the salary cap money goes away once they're paying golf. But I think that they are still, you know, top, two top three team in the NFC. And I think that's how we should treat it. I think that the, again, if they had dropped one early and all of a sudden 49ers are three and oh, I think we have a different equation here. I, I threw out that question to you just to see how high you were on the 49ers. I still agree. The Rams win that division. The 49ers and the Seahawks are, are, are left to scrap for a wild card. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So let's get to the Sunday night game and let's talk about the Rams for stock down here. I think that, I don't necessarily feel worse about the Rams than I did at the start of the season. I think that I had kind of a tepid enthusiasm about their ceiling just based on kind of the offensive struggles they had at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're just leaning on their defense in a way they didn't in the first couple of years of the McVay era, but the defense is good enough where that seems like it might be doable. I, I, they don't look as explosive or as dynamic as they used to but I still feel like this is a really dangerous team based on the, the talent they have. The roster talent that they have on defense gives them a chance as their offense kind of figures this out. How are you feeling about the quarterback? Not good. I think both quarterbacks in this game coming into the year, you know, you could have had a certain level of expectation for each and, and it's been disappointing on both fronts. Goff's been somewhat disappointing and I think that Mayfield has been really disappointing so far. Did you see the stat from the NFL, the next gen stat about Mayfield outside the tackle box. I did not. One for 10, 0.0 passer rating, one interception, 19 yards. So I, I asked uh, Freddie Kitchens this before the season started. It, it was, you know, mid early August. I was there at training camp. And I went back and I watched, you know, pretty much every single big play that the Browns had last season. And a lot of them were late in the down extended plays by Mayfield. Right. And and I asked him, I said, those aren't working anymore. I was like, do you, are you comfortable with how much you guys leaned on that type of play last year? Or do you want more of your bigger plays to come within the rhythm of the offense? And he said, I'm comfortable with it because I don't want to coach that out of my quarterback. I want him to be that type of player. And when I was kind of building the case against the Browns on offense, the two things that I was concerned about was one, the offensive line, which I think has come to fruition. And two, how often they relied on those sort of secondary late in the down big plays last year, because I think those are hard to replicate. And I feel like they've had a really difficult time hitting those this year, and they have not played on schedule within their offense. And I think that's part of the problem that we've seen so far. I mean, throwing off his back foot, he just looked helpless. I mean, this was not the improv master that we saw last year. I was surprised by that. Um, I think he was he got some happy feedback there. I think the line is just getting to him. That's something we've been talking about for months. Just just sort of the trade-off they made where they, you know, all of a sudden you're trading um, you know, one of your best linemen for Olivier Vernon. I get why you do that, but then you lose one of your best linemen. So I I just I think they'll figure it out. I think they still make the playoffs, but right now this is something that we anticipated as far as, you know, training camp is sort of fake now, especially with the new 
coach and a guy who's never been a head coach before and all of a sudden you have a bunch of new faces i i am not surprised at all it's it's a bit lethargic right now so let's get to the other team that you know you and i were both very excited about coming into the season we thought they were the best team in the nfl in terms of roster construction the philadelphia eagles lost again today when do you start getting really worried about the eagles so i'm not I'm not really worried. I'm worried. They have injury problems all over the place right now. They, you know, I saw Les Bowen made a good point. Just basically that, you know, Wentz is two dropped passes away from looking like a miracle worker the last two weeks. Yeah. And also and being without Deshaun and uh, Alshon Jeffrey J- today. And and Jason Peter and all, all this stuff, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then obviously you've already had the injury to the D-line. So... I think that you just look at it in context, a couple of breaks here and all of a sudden they're, they've got two more wins the last two weeks. But I'm again, we all we think about is this depth and how they've stacked this roster and guys like Malik Jackson, who they've got for $10 million a year. That's a steal. But you lose a Malik Jackson for the year. And the more you do that, the more you become a normal team. The number one thing we sit around all the time. And we talk about roster construction and schemes and all this stuff. And the one thing we don't, it's unknowable, so we don't pr- talk about it enough. The number one thing in this league is health. And I know that sounds very talk radio or very, you know, bland or whatever, but like it's true. That's it's what fair. matters. If you build a team with an awesome roster and everybody gets hurt, you no longer have an awesome roster. The the Eagles are a more normal team than I thought they were when I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Can they still win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. But they do not I I, I do not think, and I have to kind of re rack them in my brain. But I don't necessarily know if they still have the best roster in the NFL, given where their health is right now in week three. I feel like it's the perfect example of how they've kind of been battered and how you kind of how injuries affect your roster is the situation with Peters today, right? Yep. So Peters is hurt. Andre Dillard comes in or Peters is sick. Well, he like wasn't supposed to play. Andre Dillard comes in. He plays five snaps before getting hurt. And then Peters has to play. It's just... It's brutal. It's just one of those things where they have not caught a break. I still feel okay about them. And one of the reasons I feel okay about them is that I tweeted this early in the week after going back and watching the Lions Chargers game from last week. The Lions are okay, man. Yep. Like this offense, I have a lot of faith in some of the concepts that they're leaning on. I still think the balance is off. I would not run the ball as much as they have in the beginning of the season. I still think that in a way, and I understand this makes sense because it's Daryl Bevel. This reminds me of some of the problems that the Seahawks have had, right? Where, <laughs> Yeah. It, it's they, there are some aspects to the offense where it's like, Oh, I like that. Like that that's cool. Like they should do like the depth of target, the play action. There's so many aspects of it where you're like, okay, like I, I can get with this. And then they're running the ball into an eight-man box on first and 10. So I feel like there are enough positive aspects to the offense now where you can get excited about it, but I still feel like the calibration is just a bit off. So what you're saying is they need to bring in Brian Schottenheimer to fix it all? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, just run it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, listen, I've been pro-Lions. Obviously, did the big piece on Stafford a couple weeks ago. I still believe in his talent. Uh, I texted you this earlier, but just so the listener can um, sort of take it all in. How do you feel about Trubisky being the worst quarterback in the NFC North? 
I mean, it's not, I, I thought he was coming into the season. So it's not surprising to me. The, the fact that the Bears might be the worst team in the NFC North is yeah. a, an entirely different story. Well, that's what I, I believe that's what I texted you as well. So um, yeah. anyway, anyway, that's, uh, uh, that's a nightmare. I'm real excited to watch my team tomorrow. Very, well, very it, looking it, forward it, to it. Is it bum you out that it's against the Redskins and there's just literally no way you can come away happy? Yes, because either they beat the Redskins and you're like, oh my god, I didn't. Learn if they anything. win thirty or, to nothing tomorrow, I will be happy, even if it's the Redskins. I think they have to put up more points than thirty. Actually, <laughs> I actually think they have thirty to, like, isn't hang, enough. I think they have to hang like fifty for you to feel good about that offense, right? No, nah, thirty is enough. If they, okay. if they win thirty, okay, the they, lines have if, been drawn. Thirty it is. If they win thirty to nothing tomorrow, I'll be happy. I don't think they 30 win thirty to nothing, but if they do, then I'll be very happy. We might have to. We have might have to emergency pod it if they lose. It, emergency pod. You'll have to replace me on the show if they lose. We'll bring in Heifetz. Just for the rest of time, I, I yep. retire from football commentary if they lose tomorrow. Three man weave with Kelly and Heifetz. <laughs> All right, let's get to the challenge flags. Uh, why don't you start us off? Well, one of the things that I wish you could do more easily on podcasts is just do really deep size and have like 20 <laughs> seconds of dead air. We, we just have a drop for it, Craig. Just me just sighing dead deeply. Air. I'm sure I've done just it before. dead air. Wow. Um, Bruce Arians. So Bruce Arians over <laughs> That was close. What, to a, to a, to that, a that level too of long dead air? Dead was pretty air. close. Yeah. yeah. Well, so <laughs> the Giants supposed to lose this game. They were uh, they gave up a huge play at the end. Hit Mike Evans forty four yard pass down to the nine yard line. Thirty seconds left. Game over. Time to kick the field goal. All that. Ball is spiked. The Bucks. I I gotta I gotta collect myself before I, before I recount what happened next. The Bucks took a delay of game penalty. Then lost two yards on a play to center the ball. So we've lost seven yards already because the field goal kicker is better from further away. So, yeah, by the way, I did, <laughs> if you didn't know what happened, he, he wasn't better from far away. As uh, no the, field the, goal kickers it, are. Uh, Matt Gay is his name. He'd already missed two extra points. Um, I believe he's a rookie. So I don't know how this got in Bruce Arians' head. I don't know if there's any data to support this, but I'm, I believe the challenge flag was invented for this sort of thing, just completely off-the-wall coaching nonsense in which you move a kicker seven yards back for no reason. I, I just, every single bit, like, thing about that, line of thinking confuses me. It hurts my brain. I just, I don't even have any deeper analysis on this. Yeah, like, I, what, I just, what is there to say? I, it's, goodness gracious. You know what happens? Right. This, this is what happens when you don't go in the quarterback meeting rooms. You just have time to think about this kind of stuff. Like, what's Bruce Arians doing with his day? Now that he's not coaching quarterbacks, he's coming up with He told with me he was special watching teams. more opponents and doing more oh. personnel. Great. That, that that's what he said Great. to me. He's doing more for he's finding out that the kicker likes being seven yards back. Apparently so. Congratulations. All right. Let's stay in the NFC South. Okay. Uh, the, the, the 
Falcons came back today. You know, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. They made it a game at the end. For the most part, though, they were getting beat up by the Colts for most of this game. They were down 20 to three at halftime. Here's the question I pose to you. What are the Falcons good at? Well, last year they were good at offensive efficiency. Correct. And their, de- their defense was just nightmarishly unhealthy to the point that if they were just average this year, they would have made the playoffs. And now they seem to not be good at offensive efficiency. I feel like hiring Dirk Cutter is the answer to a question no one is asking. And that was my concern going into the year about their offense. Hey, when was the last time Dirk Cutter was a good hire for anybody? That's like just going what I'm getting I, at. I mean, like college program, the whole deal. Like the Jaguars hired him for a little bit. Obviously, the Bucks when they hired him. Like when was the last time Dirk Cutter won a press conference? They've been so. I think the decisions they've kind of systematically made on that front have been so risk averse. And going with Dirk Cutter this year, as opposed to somebody that. Let's say Kellen Moore, right? Like, for example, somebody that had never gotten yeah. a chance before came in and has been spectacular. Uh, the retread of Dirk Cutter as they've tried to kind of go back into the bag of tricks with their coaching staff is just so unimaginative to me. And they're fine. Like, the, the, and Matt Ryan averaged almost nine yards per attempt today. Like, it's their offense isn't bad, but considering yeah. how good they've been in stretches for the last two years. It's just disappointing to see them be this uneven. On the other side of the ball, I said this to you when we were talking about who was going to win that division before the year. And we were talking about the health of the Falcons defense. And if they get healthy, maybe they'll be better. But even when they've been healthy, they've been bad. And things are not getting any better. I know they lost Keanu Neal today. Whatever. They are not a good defense. And if you're not going to be a spectacular high-flying offense which they were at times last season you can't be an actively bad defense and hope to compete even in an nfc south where everyone is reeling yep i thought this offense was gonna be better um maybe they still will be maybe it's it's kind of the part of the trend where everything in september is fake i don't know but i'm seeing some weird throws and i also want to announce that i think dirk cutter was a good hire for arizona state in 2001 Thanks. I'm glad we have that on the I've just I'm just going back. I'm now I'm somehow on the Insight Bowl, 2005 Insight Bowl Wikipedia page. It's a weird place that. to be. I was on 2004 Sun Bowl. Uh, he beat Kyle Orton. So it's a big W. If the Falcons go six and ten, how do we feel about Dan Quinn's future? So. That's a good question. So he's a defensive coordinator now. And I kind of feel like that's the last step on like the I can fix this train. Yep. And because now if, there's no there's nowhere to pass the buck now. Right. If, if this if goes poorly, fix it, it lands squarely on him. I think you look at it. I think you look at it. Um, I think you try to figure out who's out there. I think that you... I mean, it's really hard. Um, I think that the the hiring cycle now where there's just seven openings a year and they all go to offensive head coaches except in Miami. Um, I think that I think there's a weird real and they're going younger and younger. I think there's a real question about the sort of bench depth that there is in the coaching ranks right now. Do you go to college? 
Yep. You try to throw all the money you can at, at Lincoln Riley, something like that. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who I think a lot of people have been impressed um, both on both sides of the ball with him. That's why he was one of the Jets candidates uh, last year. Maybe he's a guy you look at. There's just a lot of, you know, hell. Gary Patterson keeps getting touted as this guy who can stop the spread. Bring in Gary Patterson if you want a defensive coach. I don't know. I mean, there's just there's a lot of you know Thomas Mitroff's a creative guy. Arthur Blank's a good a good owner. Um, I just think that they can if if no, listen, this is all speculative. If they had to go somewhere, um, I think you have to just make sure you know that there's a, enough depth in in the candidate pool before you start going there. Because you can yeah, I, easily listen, man. You can easily end up with a real lemon of a coach if you go into one of these cycles where there's seven openings. You really can. And at some point, Dan Quinn becomes a better coach than what you can get. Yep, I, I think that that's all true. I, I still feel like if they kind of if they underachieve this year, and if it's disappointing, I think it's going to start to be a conversation sooner rather than later. Oh, for that's sure. what I'd say. For sure. All right, let's get to next week's headlines. I, I mean, I feel like there's only one way to go here. And that's uh, with Mr. Jones Daniel Mania? Jones in New York. Mr. Jones. I mean, it's 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 going to be what we talk about. I think it's silly, but it's going to be what we talk about. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about it. Um, the, the, the difference with Jones, as opposed to some of these other ones, is that there's no there was never really much of a chance Eli was going to get his job back unless Jones yes. was either a disaster or injury. I think there's probably more of a quarterback I don't want to say it's a controversy, but more of a quarterback conversation in a place like Carolina where it's that more hypotheticals. But I'm ready for the Jones hype. I'm ready for Daniel Jones to just dunk all over everybody for a couple of weeks. This is going to be really, really fun. And I am, again, I'm glad that we're all in the same boat here where we all get dunked on. Now they have the Vi- they have the Redskins next week, which is really easy for the hype train. And then they have the Vikings and then the, <laughs> then the Patriots. I will be watching New York Giants games going Are you forward. gonna watch them against the Redskins next week? Yeah, it'll be on. I'll I'll be curious. I'll I'll have it on one of the TVs. I, I won't be thrilled about it, but when they play the Patriots in a couple of weeks, it will definitely That's have Thursday a night. Pri- it'll in. have it'll have prime position. Well, you can watch it because you won't be busy watching any Cubs games. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you. I appreciate that. that that's yeah. a low blow. It is. I had no idea what they were doing until I saw that they were eliminated from the divisional race the other day on Twitter. All right. That's all we got. We will be back on Thursday previewing week four for now. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll talk to you later. Today's episode is brought to you by Floor & Decor. Floor & Decor is where pros go for tile, wood, stone, and installation materials. But the best part about Floor & Decor is their pro services and loyalty reward program. From the dedicated pro hotline to the exclusive pro app, your Floor & Decor team is just a touch away. Visit FloorAndDecor.com today to find the location nearest you.